Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there, or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram and Twitter account. Tweet at us at whonewpodcast. And find us on Facebook. Today's episode is episode 9 of season 6, Night Terrors. When the psychic paper receives a message that reads, Please save me from the monsters, the doctor decides to make a house call. This episode is written by Mark Gaddis, directed by Richard Clark. It originally aired on the 3rd of September 2011 and was watched by 7.07 million viewers. Hi, this is Eugene. Let's introduce ourselves. Kelsey. Hi, please save me from this podcast. Just kidding. <laughs> Hi, this is Josh. Hello, everyone. This is Frank. Hey, it's Heather. Hi, this is a staticky Brian. Hello, this is Auburn. And today we have two guests from Temple of Geek, Monica and Nate. Say hi. Hi, this is Monica. And this is Nate. Welcome to the Who New Podcast. Uh, Monica, can you tell us how you got introduced into Doctor Who? Uh, well, that was mainly Nate's doing. Uh, <laughs> so a lot of it was he and my brother were really into Doctor Who and they got my son into Doctor Who and I used to kind of just stand by and walk by them and be like, why are you watching this cheesy show? These special effects are terrible. What is the big deal with this show? And um, I sat down and I watched uh, Eleven's first episode like they were just like just watch one episode and i watched it and i became obsessed very very quickly so now i get it that's how it happens yeah, for myself i had had a couple friends who were posting stuff about it and i was like oh i know about it because i've heard about it and seen things and mainly the fourth doctor was the main image that i had seen in my head when i anyone talked about doctor who before i knew about the show or fully knew about the show and then her brother was watching it so i started watching a couple episodes like this is weird but it's kind of funny and cool and so i went after watching a couple episodes there i went back and started with nine and then just kind of barreled through it and then took her along with me nice basically that's how it went <laughs> very cool again welcome to the hunu podcast thank you George is eight years old and terrified of monsters in his cupboard slash wardrobe. His parents don't know how to help him, and his mother, Claire, says he needs a doctor. After putting him to bed, she leaves for work. Quietly, George pleads to the universe to save him from the monsters. The doctor's psychic paper receives the message and, off to the rescue goes the doctor, Amy, and Rory. They arrive at an apartment complex and go door to door searching for a child in need. Among those they talk to are Jim Purcell, the landlord, and Mrs. Rossiter, an elderly neighbor. As Rory and Amy walk by George's window, he peeps out and hears Rory tease that maybe they should let the monsters gobble him up. Amy and Rory take the lift to the next floor, but instead it plummets to the ground floor. When it opens, they have vanished. The doctor sees George peering out and knocks on the door. George is such a cutie. And the doctor with little kids, especially Matt Smith, is the best. So yes. right away, yes, right away, no matter what you see after that, I'm excited for this episode. <laughs> I always get a kick out of when they do puns, like the doc, you know, a house call and the doctor and things like that. I didn't realize how much time the doctor spent with little kids. And you see it first with Amy, right? But until you guys said that, like he does spend a lot of time, well, 11 at least, with little kids. Yeah. 
Because they saw the magic. Not 12. <laughs> no. Well, 12 got a whole classroom. He did. Yeah. Oh, he was thrilled. I tried to forget that episode, but yes, he did. <laughs> uh, one thing I thought was weird about like this part is I don't understand why Amy, Rory, and the doctor got split up because he saw the kid down below and he's like one floor down. He takes the stairs and they take the lift. I don't know what happened. Do they meet up before they do that though? They do, but it's odd that they just walk yeah. right by the next door. I mean, they're yeah. going on different levels, each knocking on all these doors and they pass by his. So it's just, you know, plot device rather than yeah. any kind of logical thing that any of these characters you know, would do. Yeah. I mean, right. we just heard Rory say, maybe the, the monsters will gobble him up, which is, I think when I was watching with Auburn, he pointed out is not in Rory's character. Like it was kind of like a weird thing for Rory to say. So to me, for me, the doctor sees them acting this way and even like did you find any scared kids i found scary kids does that count the doctor's like you guys are not going to be helpful in this situation why don't you know in his mind let's split up and i'm going to send you on a wild goose chase and i'm going to go because i already know who the scared kid is i'm going to go deal with it myself and send you off he also sees george in the window draw back in fear when they as they're passing so Mm -hmm. he knows something's up I did like the young twin girls, you know, that reference to the horror going, okay, they're going to do a little funny, yeah. chicken, a little funny. Yeah. yeah, the shining. Yeah. And Amy even saying, you know, this not, can't always be, be planet's history and stuff. Well, this falls into the stuff category, Amy. It just seemed Amy and Rory did not take it seriously that it is not really their character after everything that we've seen. Also, too, I think he want, he needed their help to find him, not with what he was going to do. And, that, and now that we're talking about this, he, this doctor kind of has a habit of getting tunnel vision and forgetting about the companions for a good amount of time. And then, you know, promises he'll save them when Amy's in, you know, mortal danger. Or promises Rory that he'll save Amy when Amy's in mortal danger. Uh, but he kind of does that kind of often. He did that in this episode, actually. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's exactly to, it. Not to skip ahead, but like at the end, like Rory says, Doctor, and he's like, oh, like he forgot they even were even there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I kind of took that as like classic Who, where they would try to find ways to split up the Doctor and the companions, oh, sure. you know, in the opening. So... I just like, oh, that's just a nod for me. Yeah, I mean, it's part of that. It's interesting yeah. to see how the, how they do that for the different doctors. And I think with this one, it's just he just gets tunnel vision and isn't paying attention that someone's taken away. When Amy and Rory are nice because they take care of themselves. So yeah. they'll they'll take their, their whole story somewhere else, like together. So that's nice that he doesn't have to invent too many ways to get them to wander off. Right. Yeah, this the beginning of this. Like uh, at first, I don't know why, but I was I was expecting fear her, and so I was coming into this with a little different like uh, expectation. Um, and, and like I think most of us have talked about, we watch it twice for the podcast, and this one I, I watched it both times, and I still couldn't figure out if I my feelings about it. So that that's interesting, especially this this beginning part where it's 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 different. But yeah, I think I think it grew on me watching it twice. Auburn, I agree with you, because depending on what mood I'm in, depends on how I like it or not. I mean, it isn't isn't the show, it's what I bring to it on this one. It was going back and forth. I could see the problems rather than just really going along with the story. So I see what you mean. It totally gets me the same way. I think it gets me the same as Frank. Like, (laughs) I had seen this episode once before, and I've seen Mm -hmm. every Doctor Who episode from 9 to, like, you know, 13, like, on repeat forever. But this one I only watched once because the first time 
time yes. I watched it, I was scared and I was terrified. And I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to watch this again. I have no interest in watching this again. And then when I watched it for the podcast now, I was like, oh, it wasn't so bad. But I also watched it in the morning. Like it was bright and early, <laughs> you know, like before I watched it in the dark and it was in the evening and scary. Yes. Yeah, so, so when when I said you were going to come on, I was like, which is the scariest episode for you? <laughs> <laughs> Was I wasn't a-, a fan of going back and watching it originally, mainly, and nothing against the man because he he's a, a, seems to be a, a nice man. But it was a, a Gaddis episode, and I forgot which episodes he wrote until I was watching this. Like, oh, this is bad. Which ones did he write? But all I remembered were the recent ones, like Cold War and Sleep No More and Crimson Horror, and those were all just like the lower episodes for me in the recent era. Yeah. So like when I watched this, I was like, oh wow, like this one actually was a lot better, (laughs) I guess I should say. We, uh, as a podcast, we did a Halloween episode and this was my recommendation to watch on Halloween. I wanted to point out a couple of things visually that I noticed in the beginning of this episode. Um, and I know, don't usually notice things like this. So I'm, you know, I don't know what kind of crack I was on. But um, they share. <laughs> they, when we first see the TARDIS land, we, they show it in a reflection uh, uh, in a puddle. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I've seen, obviously, I've seen this episode before, but I was like, did I forget something about mirrors? Like, is, does this mean something? And then I, I was excited to find out whether that was like symbolism that I missed but it really wasn't it was just a cool shot um then when the old lady was pushing the cart um down the building i noticed they zoom in on a really large crack in the wall and which is obviously we've we've already done that that's over but i was like oh the large crack (laughs) wait no we already did the large crack so i think it was just cool cinematography but those i was making things out of nothing which is actually fine because it's almost like uh trying to freak you out make you think things and make you unsure about what you're walking into and i think that was a big deal with um, Stephen Moffat and you know Mark Gaddis to begin with was all these like hidden clues that later on would lead to something so I feel like they trained us to always be looking for things right that's probably what it was we've been trained the third and last thing I noticed which I don't think they show until later but it doesn't spoil anything is the inside of their apartment the layout is the same as uh, Jackie and Rose's apartment it's close. Oh, really? It's close. I, I caught that last night, but it's not, the door's in a different place. But it does have that little cutout window to the kitchen. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, they're probably yeah, all cookie the, cutter. Yeah. yeah, the uh, the apartment complex is a council estate. So yeah. it's more, more or less like the project. So they're all built to be the same. So that's why Jackie's flat and uh, Alex's flat look the same. I just, I pictured the Christmas tree spinning out of control. (laughs) I thought this building, this location was great. And I think with the cinematography, it's also the lighting. They used a lot with the lighting and the shadows to give George the fear when he's holding the flashlight, but also just the lighting on this location at the beginning and the way that it's angled is such a great shot to set you up that it's just a little bit odd, but everything is so uniform in the way that it looks. What you're talking about, it made me think of a needle in a haystack. Like every building looks the same. How are they going to find George? That's what I got from that. And you know how to find a needle in a haystack, right? You burn the place down. You magnet. use a magnet. <laughs> <laughs> Both work. 
Both work. I, I immediately was like, oh, Eugene, that's a smart idea. And then you guys were like, magnet. <laughs> no, let's not go crazy. <laughs> that's not as fun. I will say uh, real quick, though, that um, since we're talking about visuals, and the whole episode is shot really cinematically. It's lit that way. It's, it's composed that way. And, and the more I'm, I'm looking at it as we're talking right now, and even just the editing and the shot choice, it's obviously supposed to invoke like a horror movie. That's obvious. But the more I'm looking at it, They've gotten more cinematic at this point in the run, but it's this is like a this is a big leap towards that feel. I like how they play on the fear of uh, shadows on a child's wall, you know. And no matter what harmless toy you have, it always casts a scary shadow when you're a little kid. It's but, super relatable. Yeah, it's totally super relatable. But if you have a kid with these fear problems, don't buy him toys like this. It was like a pig-headed marionette puppet doll yes. hanging <laughs> on the wall. Your child has problems. Help your child. It just was bizarre. There, there was a perception filter on that doll. <laughs> <laughs> Going on that, watching it this time, I was a little disappointed that we didn't see that doll in the dollhouse. Yeah. <gasps> Some people are not disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not that disappointed, personally. <laughs> I was a child. My child bedroom had a puppet tree in it. So I slept with puppets in my bedroom and they cast, it cast a very scary shadow because my parents put the nightlight right under that puppet tree. <laughs> like, so the fact, just like the idea that at the scariest place in the universe is a child's bedroom, like Monica says, very relatable. That is the scariest place in the universe. So. That explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> One other element besides the visuals that add to the scariness is the wonderful sound work that they do. You know, especially watching it a second time, you you hear the lift and the lady with the creaking cart and all of this stuff that, you know, they really build throughout the rest of the episode um, with George's fears. One of the things I noticed too, because you're talking about the lady with the cart, you hear her breathing too, her like exhausted breathing. Yeah. And yeah, that was kind of creepy in itself. <laughs> And I like how inside it's like very uh, sinister, but outside you can tell it's just an old lady like having trouble. Uh, I really like how a little boy can contact the doctor. He's like super powerful that it reads on the psychic paper. I thought that was a great way to open this because you know, Doctor Who is for kids and that's their hero. So they, I felt very um, like it was cathartic for uh, younger viewers to be like, if I need some help, I can reach out to the doctor and he'll find me and make a house call. And then uh, Rory reads the psychic paper when they're waiting for the lift to come. I, I enjoyed that a companion can read the psychic paper. Oh. Yeah, that's didn't, a good point. Didn't think about that. And it was a flashback to New Earth, you know, why they were on New Earth and because Face of Bo called them there. Yep, that's all the way in season two. Didn't Amy do the same thing? She prayed to the Easter Bunny or something? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, the doctor yeah. showed up. <laughs> But that was more um, coincidence, I guess. Yeah, fate different. or whatever. Yeah. But more same, more same. No, the TARDIS took her, took him where he needed to be. Okay. <laughs> oh, I agree, right, Heather. Right. <laughs> River, River calls the doctor on the psychic paper. Sure. Yeah, for silence in the library. Yeah. George's dad, Alex, answers the door and thinks his wife called someone to help their son. The doctor looks through a photo album containing pictures of George as an infant. Alex tells the doctor that George has always been a bit off, but it has gotten so bad lately that he and his wife have been considering sending him somewhere to get help. His imagination exaggerates everything, so now he believes the noise from the lift is a creature breathing and Mrs. Rossiter is an evil witch. Outside, Mrs. Rossiter brings down her trash and adds her bag to the accumulated pile. It starts to rustle, 
And when she goes to examine it, it sucks her in and she disappears. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I really, I literally wrote down, run, Elsie! <laughs> <laughs> Even she if this not. lady had never seen a horror movie to like stay away from quiet noises within something, why go so near the trash? Probably because she's already going batty. She was talking to herself. He said it was the first time. Hey, man, I think we've all been talking to ourselves more recently than others. And I don't know about you. If I see the trash movie and I think it's either a rat or a cat, not a kid yeah, lying in the middle of the trash. George, George, you're the little boy who stays in his room all the time. Is that you in the trash? Either that or George has done that before and you're like, you're weird, George. Yeah. <laughs> tells me George ain't never been in the trash. <laughs> Yeah, the first time I watched that, I was like, what is going on? Because just before, I think you see, we lose Amy and Rory first. And then you see, uh, you know, the woman being sucked in by the garbage. And I was like, wait, what is doing it? Because it's two totally different ways of disappearing. Like where the woman who's being sucked in almost looks like she's being grabbed. And then Amy and Rory are like, so I'm like, are these portals? Are these like, what's going on? So, you know, the whole time I'm wondering like, you know, what, why are they being pulled in this way? What, like what's causing it, you know, before we realize what it is, obviously. Yeah, and now I'm actually at a bit of a loss. I'm not really connecting the dots as to why that happened there. And even in the elevator, if the cupboard is in the room. They gave a clue in the swipe that they did. They had a picture of George being scared and the camera panned and it's kind of swiped along to see her. So it gave you a little bit of clue that George is involved in this. Yeah, he's involved, but I, I feel like it's one of those Doctor Who devices to make something a lot more scary than it actually is at the end because right, yeah. You know, she, you know, he was scared of Amy and Rory because like, what if we'll let the monsters take him. So that was part of the reason they were abducted. And then she was abducted because, you know, he's scared of her thinking she's like the scary witch. But the devices in which they disappear are just like to amplify the fears in the episode, I think. Yeah. Like he just has control over the area, not, yeah. Okay, I buy it. But what's his range? Yeah. <laughs> it, it depends on what his role is. Is there like a scary actor that he watched on TV that he'll make disappear? Right, exactly. Like the kid from the Twilight Zone. You had to get 20 yes. for that, though, for the role. I, I heard that, Nate. Very good. <laughs> when, at this point, when Alex is looking at pictures, watching it the second time, I was trying to see if there was some sort of seeding that we'll find out later as far as his relationship with Claire and their son. And I thought that this was the best place to put that. And I'll save that conversation till the reveal. But you can see him looking at the pictures of him and his son and the family unit, you know? So he's looking at that going, you know, he does want to help. You know, he is a good guy. But right at the beginning, he's just a little more gruff. So I think they wanted to tone that down, but he really does. But that's actually a question I have is who calls social services on themselves? The British. Well, no, I think it was more <laughs> that she was wanted to hire a, a doctor. Well, yeah. also that may be Social services could be just call it like, you know, mental health services. Right. And it may be run differently in in Britain, not ridiculously like in the United States. I was thinking it might be, you know, a British thing, because when I think of the term social services, I think they're going to take your kids away. They actually care about each other over there. (laughs) I'm not trying to get political. No. (laughs) (laughs) Or there's the people in social services in Britain may actually be supported by the people who they need. Well, even um, the, the three of them, the Dr. Amy and Rory, came pretending to be community support that would just randomly knock on your door 
right, from, right. from the the township or what what do they call the council like that's yeah. the local yeah. government yeah mm -hmm. i don't get the idea that happens much in the projects though they were not exactly uh, yeah, they, 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 they welcomed yeah <laughs> one thing i noticed that with uh claire is she was absent during the episode and i noticed they did that same thing with craig they made the the mother absent during the entire episode and then i was thinking like i don't know i don't remember if this is accurate or not but weren't the kids that clara was looking after wasn't their mom absent also like yes. wasn't their the mom had died okay yeah. okay well she's she's definitely absent then <laughs> <laughs> they have a whole uh, disney complex yeah, yeah <laughs> where the thing in uh the disney movies is that if you have the mom the problems are going to be solved <laughs> so that's why there's no <laughs> Because, you know, a mom would have reacted very differently. For example, like, you know, this man coming in. And he would not have welcomed a strange man her into her house. Yeah. Right. Plus, the problem was the father wasn't quite accepting him. The mother was obviously accepting the boy a little bit more, at least. Mm. Or seemingly. Okay. Oh, well, she was the one that wanted to call the doctor. But that wasn't a matter of rejecting him. That was right. her trying to, like, find a solution. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, budgetarily, that's one day of shooting for the mom. Fair. I, I really like the scene between the doctor and Alex. Matt Smith is so good and it's also well written that kind of at the end of the scene, you kind of accept why, you know, this is why the doctor's there. This is why Alex would be like, okay, come and help my son because he explains his presence really well. Yeah. For once. That's always, that's always interesting with Doctor Who, how they can get him into the situation with new people as quickly as possible. And I thought this one was really good. I thought Matt Smith was great and just kind of being both that, oh, you know, I'm harmless and I have concern for your son. I love hearing Brian say things nice about Matt Smith. <laughs> I like him. I know, now. but I come now. from a place of, uh, exactly. I come now. from a former place. Right. Of, <laughs> He's you know, still not tenant. <laughs> you know, fine, it's funny. <laughs> it's striking me now that saying that how he kind of gets in to, uh, you know, how it gets people to accept him quickly. And even, all the doctors do this, if I'm not mistaken, they just start asking questions. So the, the person has gets interrupted by asking, why are you here by answering questions about their problems? So he just turns the focus on them. So they have no other choice then but to engage in what he's doing. I'm going to try that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it, great. He gaslights people is what happens. <laughs> Good point. Oh, all right. But it's okay as long as the outcome is for is for something positive. Okay? Right. So. Exactly. Well, we saw what happens in the you know angels take Manhattan. So. Oh, yeah. Was the outcome oh, long term positive? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I do enjoy like when he introduced himself. Like it happens with every doctor, but I I noticed it specifically in this episode when he has the sonic paper up, uh, the psychic paper up, and um, he's like, oh, you're from social ser social services, and just his his uh, face lighting up, like, yeah! <laughs> Where are you from? <laughs> I like, I all, yeah, I agree, I always like that moment because it's a reminder to me that, like, this, the doctor doesn't control what's on the psychic paper. It's the person who's reading it that reads into it. So, like, right. the Alex is expecting social services, so when, yeah, but I agree that those moments are great because the doctor either he's like surprised that was on the paper or he's like that's right like he's, well, re he's really good at yes and yeah i was gonna yeah. say that's like an improv thing where where the uh alex threw to him and he goes yes i am this thing now <laughs> 
Plus, no, he got lucky like, that George's name was on the door. Yes, I love. <laughs> but that like, one. it reminds me of the Christmas Carol episode where he pulls out the paper and he's like, "I'm the baby. I'm a responsible adult." And he's like, "The kid's like, oh, it's just squiggly lines. It's like finally a lie too big." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess sometimes the doctor can control a little bit of what's on the psych paper, but it's still like, right? It's still the person. Yeah. Usually, it's their impression. It's their yeah. What they need to what they need to see in order to let him pass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love I love that that line. I'm just gonna read I'm just gonna read this inter interchange between them. The doctor, pantophobia. Alex, what? The doctor, that's what it's called, pantophobia. Not fear of pants, though. If that's what you're thinking, fear of everything, including pants, I suppose. In that case, <laughs> sorry, go on. <laughs> that exchange is really great. It was good. Yeah. It I, I agree with Nate. This does remind me a lot of Craig the Lodger, I think, mm -hmm. that episode where, yeah, he does a really good job playing off of, like, this type of character, the, the straight man in the, the weird situation that lets the doctor be, like, a little more fantastical and get that grounding from the other character in the scene. Right. One more thing here is that when Alex is looking at the pictures and then you, you hear in the background the TV playing, the, the announcer on the TV says that uh, he's watching BBC One on Saturday night, the same channel that Doctor Who is on, and that's oh, when wow. this would have aired. So I thought that was, I thought that was like meta, but also cool. <laughs> George is so scared, he can't sleep and accidentally knocks over a lamp. Alex and the doctor go to check on him. When George hears he is a doctor, he asks if he is there to take him away. The doctor tells him no, he's there to talk about the monsters. When the doctor goes to open the cupboard, George is terrified. Alex tells the doctor that they put anything that scares George in the cupboard. Alex leaves to answer a knock at the door, which is Mr. Purcell, the landlord. They are late with the rent and Mr. Purcell demands payment soon. The doctor tries to distract George from the discussion and plays with his toys. He sonics the cupboard and finds that the readings of the cupboard are off the scale. Now he is scared. Alex returns and goes to open the cupboard, but is stopped by the doctor. The monsters are real. That was the most dramatic reading you've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, this scene is really dramatic. There's this right. one point where they're in the kitchen discussing what happened and whether or not they should open the door, right? The cupboard door. Right. And um, if it's okay, I just want to read this one line. Um, it says, uh, the doctor tells Alex because they're freaking out. And he says, you know, he's trying to convince him to let him stay and help his child. And he says, through crimson, through crimson stars and silent stars and tumbling nebulas like oceans set on fire, through empires of glass and civilization of pure thought and a whole terrible, wonderful universe of possibilities, you see these eyes are old eyes. And one thing I can tell you, Alex, the monsters are real. Yeah. And like, oh, it's, it's like so powerful in this little like back and forth banter. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> Why do we not quote this more often? I think uh, that's a great line, but I think that comes later. Oh, sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. But it's good. Yeah. I thought this because you said monsters were real, and that's when he says it. So that's why I thought that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. It's okay, Monica. We like you more than Eugene. Uh, Auburn, mute, mute, Brian. <laughs> um, but but Monica, going off of what you said, I like the line where. Alex and the doctor rush in after the, the lamp has fallen, and he go uh, he goes to George, are you having a nightmare? He goes, it wasn't a nightmare. I wasn't asleep. I'm like, oh, that's Aww. great. 
poor baby. Poor child. That that line actually broke my heart. But I was like, wow, way to way to bring it in such a, a quick way. They had kind of um, I guess you would call it editorial or a sound effects met mix up or whatever. I noticed it in this watch. The lamp knocks over and you hear like this glass break, like the bulb just shattered, and the the dad just goes in, picks it up, and they carry on like nothing happened. Like, oh, it just right. fell over. It's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, I mean, it made sense. It makes it dramatic, but then like when he's not like, oh man, there's all glass all over the floor. <laughs> yeah. Also, there's hundreds of examples of why the heck does the child own this toy in this? Why does he have so many toys that move on their yeah. own? First of all, and second of all, like they're all weird. They're like robots with the head spins all the way around, well, and they like, don't they don't move on their own. The doctor did that with his Sonic. But I it's think a... they're all toys that can move on their own if you... Yeah, you yeah, want they're battery powered. Toys. They're battery they're built powered. to move. I used to have a young boy. Those are cool. How was the doctor going to Sonic something unless there yeah. was toys there for him to Sonic? Right. I'm just saying, if there are creepy toys in the cupboard, what the, what did those ones look like? Because the ones he has out of the cupboard are kind of terrifying. <laughs> Yeah. They stopped getting him those toys and started yeah. getting him the Transformers knockoffs. One of them is uh, Optimus Prime, if we if you took a yeah. good look from the Michael Bay garbage movies. <laughs> is it an actual Optimus Prime or is it a knockoff? No, I think it's one of the kid versions of Optimus oh, Prime. Okay. Oh. Well, do they have to like adjust how they look? Like, Can they just use off-the-shelf stuff or do they take it and then manipulate it a little bit so it's not... I think not... if it's off-the-shelf stuff, they'd have to get the licensing. Well, there's a whole, there's a whole, there's a whole store where people make products for films. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure they got the toys from that store and they are like, give us robots that look like, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of those robots, uh, I just see like in Chinatown, you can see them at like swap meets, that type of stuff. So that's not a problem, I guess as far as rights. But other than the Optimus Prime, I noticed that one of the toys that casts a shadow is a uh, Serpentera from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the end of season two, if you remember that, when, when the original cast becomes, they change out the Rangers. Mm. And that's where I'm they get sorry, the different... I'm sorry, I'm not up on my episode recollections of Power Rangers. <laughs> well, uh, it's Morphin time. <laughs> <laughs> Was that when they swapped Billy out for the little boy? Not quite, but it's where Jason is swapped out. Uh, Tommy is still... So Tommy's the White Ranger at this point? Yeah, Tommy's the okay. White Ranger. And then um, uh, the Red Ranger, the Black Ranger, and the Yellow Ranger are different. Mm -hmm. They were like the protégés at first or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I did like the doctor's use of the Rubik's Cube. Because you know he yeah. can solve it easily, but then throwing it away must be broken. Let's put it in the cupboard to get the reaction. Oh, I didn't catch that. Oh, so he said that on purpose. I didn't catch that. I figured he was legitimately frustrated. Yeah, oh. me, me <laughs> yeah. too. Um, I just really like the respect the doctor gives George in this scene. Um, Alex says, anything that frightens him goes in the cupboard. And the doctor looks at George and says, is that where the monsters go? But he's relating it to George, and and I just love that because, um, you know, that's kind of how I like to live my own life. You know, I think kids should get the same respect as adults do. Yeah, I think it's just part of what we we're talking about, like how Matt Smith is great with kids, and then that shows in the scene that you just mentioned, like he can relate to George on an equal level. I'm sure that's validating for little kids watching the show. Absolutely. You know, after they pee their pants because of all the creepy stuff, they're like, <laughs> "Oh, but the doctor's nice." Yeah, this really bored. This isn't. This is a very ironic show because this embraces that the show is for kids because it's so kid-centric story. But there ain't no way a kid that age is gonna watch this show and sleep for a week. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, we had an issue with our child where he, the first time he watched the, um, what is it, Demons Run episode where oh. where uh, Amy's baby just kind of like melts and disintegrates because oh, it was right. the flesh. And we had an infant that age at the time. Oh no. Time. Oh, no. So my kid, who's now 16, but at the time he was like seven or eight, just lost it and was, he could not watch that episode. And I was like, why is the kid oh. crying so much? Because I, I was watching the episode when they saw it. And, oh. you know, we had explained to him over and over that it wasn't a real baby and he was just distraught. Well, that's sad. That's the type of thing that would have creeped me out as well. Um, and, and by the way, they'll probably remember that for the rest of their lives. If they don't remember anything about Doctor Who, they'll remember the image of a melting baby forever. <laughs> Not to, you know, nice. I just, did anyone else do the math on the rent that they owed? I know. You mean like what it is in dollars? Yeah. It was, it was I, I think it was like around, yeah, like around a little less than 500 bucks. In 2011? In the projects. In the projects. I was just really curious when I heard it. I immediately whipped out my calculator. I like um, the Mr. Purcell character is the perfect guy to hate. So that yeah. I'm glad that they had him there to yeah. do all the things that he needed to, to, to do. But I was really surprised that they didn't lean into like the George being more scared of Bernard the dog because the dog was like more scary to me than Mr. Purcell, but they- The dog was cute. I found Mr. Purcell more I scary. I thought the dog looked very cute and innocent, but they just put <laughs> a bunch of growling sounds over this cute and innocent looking dog. Well, I did, did one of the growling sounds remind anyone else of Prisoner Zero? Oh yeah. From like, mm -hmm. yeah, Amy and Rory's first episodes. The yeah. eyeball reminded me of that actually. Oh the, yeah. The, the, not, oh, well, not Prisoner yeah. Zero, but the what is the, the Atraxi? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, good job, Josh. Yeah, <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> On a high note. <laughs> I'll stand it. <laughs> But at the same time, the the doctor's reaction to Mr. Purcell using the Sonic to start the toys, I, I thought was really great. And I really like the use of the Sonic in this episode. It's balanced just about right, where it, it's helpful for the story, but it doesn't like overcome any big obstacles. Yeah, it's not the super tool. Or even defeat anybody, yeah. Like, and that's great later when he tries to use it on the dolls and their wood. And he says he really has to make a setting for wood. That's so good. It's Brilliant. embarrassing. That. Yeah. Brilliant. That's funny. And remember, Auburn, you can't hurt a dog because you know what's coming up. So it has to be the evil, you know, landlord. Right. Yes, yes. No, I, I know. Just me, I, I had some run-ins with animals when right. I was younger. So I think I, I carry that into my perceptions of them in media. Like melting babies. Mm-hmm. Those traumas, they're, they're lifelong. <laughs> Amy and Rory wake up in a darkened house. Rory turns on his flashlight as they search and find the kitchen. Amy finds an odd electric lantern and a fake frying pan made of wood. They also find a huge head-sized glass eye in one of the kitchen drawers. They continue to search the house, followed by a being in the shadows. They find that the front doors don't have any knobs or handles, and the clock in the foyer isn't real as the hands on the clock are painted on. They hear a child giggling and go to investigate. Creepy. I, I like this, this this uh, seating of where they actually are. This was yes. like great for me. That's why when I mentioned about the, the photos, if they did this this well of where they are, I wanted them to do the other thing with uh, uh, Alex and Claire just as equally as well, because we're getting clues of without, well, spoiling it, they're in a dollhouse. That's why things aren't exactly what they are. 
Oh, like, and you no... mean the reveal of what happens with the photographs later is just like a one-shot thing? Well, because I'm trying to think of how story-wise, writing-wise, production-wise, visually, that they could have seeded the reveal of who George is earlier. Mm. I like that George was just a normal kid up till now, but you don't. Yeah, think I'm okay. He's anything I, yeah, I think alive. I think I think we're all. I see what you're saying, and I think that would have been very interesting. But I think that would have taken away from the tension that the big bad is the dollhouse. The big bad is the creepy closet. I think it would have diluted that focus. Because then the big bad would be George. But but I do yeah. agree. Yeah yeah. Because I but I'll, I do. I'll oh, get yeah. more into the detail when, once the reveal is, because I don't want to. Oil that prematurely. Yeah, yeah, because I think I, I, I think I actually agree with you a little bit, but it's a, it's a balance. I'm curious as to what you have to say. And I'm not, I don't have a solution. I'm just trying to think of where I would have put stuff. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but back to where they are, when Amy and Rory are first in the dollhouse, I think uh, it's Rory that says, we can work out where we are, when we are. I was like, that's great time travel, like staple yeah. dialogue, when we are. <laughs> and I think they're in 1700 and something. I yeah. like how in, in that in that scene there, if it's the same scene I'm thinking of, Rory is very savvy. Yes. He's, he's very like he, like, he knows what's going on and what could possibly be going on and what possibly could go on. I like how the first thing he says, well, oh my gosh, we're dead. Again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's not like fearful or anything. He's more right, like right. exasperated. He's like annoyed. Like, what in it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was. We we've talked about on our on our show how he actually always has been really great, but he seemed much more meek and and the butt of the joke uh, uh, earlier on. But I like how they've upped his game, but he's still the comic relief. He has a great line at the yeah, end. Yeah, he's gotten sassier. Yeah. Why did they get their kid a creepy dollhouse though? Well, yeah, a very the, detailed. Yeah, very detailed. And also, what about those dolls that they're alternate? Like, why? why what, what are those dolls from? You know, maybe they're from like I guess the backstory could be the the wife's uh, you know uh, great grandmother had those dolls yeah. and they were passed down and they tried to give it to the boy and that's what I was going to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because a dollhouse isn't a toy you give to a boy. Yeah. So it it would have been inherited from like the mom. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that would but be what is the whole thing with the kids, the little kid voices in the song? <laughs> creepy. Yeah. Like, it's scary. I thought it was going to be tied into like the two little girls. Mm. Yeah. You know, like I thought it was somehow going to be tied into that, but that doesn't manifest. Because even in the, once you understand what's happening, that still doesn't quite make sense. Why is that a scary thing that's put in the closet? Right. I've, it reminded the me of. House? No, no, the, the, la the, the children the laughing. Like, because to to us it's creepy mm. because of the because of the juxtaposition of creepy visuals and uh, disembodied children laughing. That's creepy to us, but to a kid, it's just kids laughing. Unless he was scared of those kids, right? Which I, I thought, which I thought would be like those twin girls. You know, like maybe like, I thought the twin girls maybe like teased them or something, and they turned yeah. into these, you know, the, then the in that first case, original dolls that are walking right. around. Maybe they are. They were the apartment above him, and you could hear them playing over maybe. his okay. room. I buy all that stuff. You're doing. You're pulling a Frank here. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just find that theory interesting because that's not one that I had about the cupboard. That everything in the cupboard is something that George put in there. So it, it's it has a life of its own, which is kind of similar. To to a kid's imagination you know like they cr we create whole worlds in our in our minds they just grow and grow and grow and feed on each other as you as a kid's imagination begins to work so um 
But what's strange is that it really is a closet. His clothes is hang are hanging up there, you know, so they go in there daily to dress him and things. Which, so they're constantly opening it. Which I which thought is, that was weird too. When I saw the clothes, I'm like, well, wait, his clothes are there. Right. No, well, I was thinking like, cause I thought I saw like a Lego box in the cupboard or something in front of the dollhouse when they open it. And I yeah, was like, was. what if they had landed in the Lego box? Would they be Legos? <laughs> that would have been a fun episode, a whole different feel. We'd have like a little Lego movie segment in there. They're like everything is awesome. <laughs> Amy and Rory get stuck in an Imaginex bat cave or something. But that like, song we... reminded me a lot of Buffy, the episode Hush with the gentleman. I don't know if you guys have watched Buffy. That's one oh, that's, I always is that the one where there's everyone silenced and uh, yes. they have to write everything down. So they have the okay. skeleton kind of people, and there's a Buffy has a dream, clairvoyant dream about a girl singing with a little box, saying that they the gentlemen are coming. You know, they need seven. They might take yours. You can scream, but no one will hear you. So it tells you what's going on, and I thought this is going to be a little bit more but you didn't understand really what they're saying it's just that feeling of eeriness so the words weren't as important as but if they landed in the lego box it would have been everything is awesome exactly. <laughs> <laughs> played in a minor key and slower everything is awesome. <laughs> oh, oh yeah the 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 music cue for all of the creepy kids like always reminds me of Ring Around the Rosie, but mm -hmm. it like doesn't resolve. The last note never comes. Right. So in my head, like I'm always wanting it to like continue, but it, <laughs> it doesn't end. So yeah, that, that's a nice cue that they play throughout with, with the creepy kids. Do you guys remember watching this episode for the first time? And do you remember figuring out that they were in a dollhouse? Mm -hmm. Just in this first part. No, um, I'm glad. I don't, I don't remember my first it's, watch. It's afterwards. Think. Yeah. Well, no, it's no. here because of the painted the clock. That's when I remembered it. I was like, oh, they're in a toy. They're in it a, seems they're so in obvious now, but I remember not getting it the first time. Yeah, movie. I agree. I didn't get it at first. I think I probably figured out around the same time when the wooden frying pan and then the lantern that looked really familiar to me. So I was like, I know what that lantern is, but they're usually really small. And then I was like, oh, and then... Uh, <laughs> See, no, that's what I should and have. The done, light literally but went off. <laughs> right. I'm glad you said that, Heather, because I I remember not getting it as well. I think maybe I I might have got there in the dollhouse, but I didn't connect where they're at to the dollhouse in the cupboard. I feel like that that's it's shot. It's not for me. It's not shot or edited well enough to for me to associate the the dollhouse in the cupboard with where everyone is being sent. Like, so I, I, I don't think, I don't think that. it was meant to be. I don't, I don't, I think we weren't, I think one, one more clue, it would have felt too obvious. Yeah. Right. And I think they intentionally tried to throw you off too. Cause the second they got in there, um, I think it was Rory or no, I think it was Amy actually runs into like pots and pans and they make actual metal yeah. pot and pan sounds. And then from that point on, they pick up the wooden pan and like, Oh, this is stupid. Right. What's this? So I think they tried <laughs> to throw you off at the beginning. But also, like, the room that they're in looked like a regular room. So, like, as somebody who's played with a lot of dollhouses, yeah, yeah. like, you know, they don't make them that detailed, you know, unless it's, like, a fake, like, wallpaper or something yeah. like that, right? And so that's what threw me off, thinking that they were somewhere else. Because even if they were in a dollhouse, it would have been just, a, like, a, like, a flush wall. Yep. Because it feels like a lot of it is kind of stagey, but then they throw in some some locations that, you know, look like a big room and not so much like a dollhouse as they go. Because it all well, feels real stagey, like when, when things shake, when mm -hmm. the lights are going behind the closet, it feels like very theatrical, like soundstage yes. but and the the one large room that uh the doctor and alex find themselves in feels like a real room yep. but yeah you could always fake hallways yeah well and doll, do dollhouses have that many hallways 
No. Monica, yeah. do we even have hallways? Well, let's go to our dollhouse expert. That's Monica from Temple of Geek. There are no hallways in dollhouses. <laughs> Can you imagine trying to make a doll walk through a tiny little hallway? You couldn't even take How a bandage. I get my arm in there. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so oh, that's a slide. Work that way. <laughs> All right, I can't. I can't suspend my disbelief anymore, Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if they had a Playmobil set, that oh, might yeah. have some hull. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Also, in Are You Afraid of the Dark? You ever see that show? Yep, I there's love that a dollhouse show. episode. And in the Twilight Zone, there was a dollhouse episode. I was gonna say I did read on IMDb that originally Gaddis had set this all in a hotel, but it had to get changed to yeah a because dollhouse because they, they moved that idea to a different episode. We'll get there. Yeah, because like dollhouses are always like one sided, like one side has the back of the house or if you have yep. like the really nice ones that open up, right, then you have them. But even when they would close, the two rooms would touch each other without a wall or anything. Yeah, they don't connect like a normal house, but it also could be the perception filter. So that's not a yeah. real hallway. Uh, <laughs> and it's all George's uh, psychic it's, it's in abilities. His mind. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's what George uh, thought that the, the dollhouse was. Yeah. But thank you for thank you for mentioning the hotel, Kelsey. That also makes uh, the twins make a little more sense because it's more paying homage to like a shining. Ah. Oh yeah, that does connect. Stay with us, Danny. Where did the soldier one come from? Oh yeah, he just pops up, doesn't he? Oh. <laughs> I yeah, think we just, don't. They're all coming out of the. Woodwork. We don't see all the other this people. This could be a very old dollhouse. Literally, yeah. woodwork. <laughs> coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> oh, that's great. Is it? <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't take much for me. That's, that's all I gotta say. That's why you're on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's gotta laugh at your dumb jokes. <laughs> hey, I'm not here for laughs. I'm here for a reaction, whether it's a groan or a moan. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There, there you, go. <laughs> you covered all bases. I can edit that now into every... <laughs> The doctor goes to make tea and tells Alex that whatever is inside that cupboard is so powerful it amplified George's fears, allowing them to travel through time and space, which brought the doctor here. They decide to open the cupboard, but only find clothes, old toys, and a dollhouse. It's all normal. The doctor gets the scrapbook and shows Alex the pictures of Claire a month before George was supposedly born. She is not pregnant. Alex remembers that Claire can't have children. They tried everything, but to no avail. Where did George come from? The doctor asks George who he is. The room begins to rumble, and the cupboard opens with a bright light, pulling both the doctor and Alex inside as George pleads again to save him from the monsters. Talk about it now, Monica. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like so much to talk about in these scenes though because a lot is happening in these scenes yeah. like there's one part where this is like one of the things that i hate about matt smith like he can be so playful and so fun to watch on screen and you just love it but then you look at what he actually did and there's that scene where they're going back and forth should we open the cupboard should we not open the cupboard what should we do and alex is like so freaked out right like you know all this information is coming in he's trying to process it the doctor kind of knows what's going on and he's just playing alex back and forth and alex who I don't know who's the, the name of the actor, but he's really good. 
like and he's looking terrified and freaked out and at one point the doctor says no we can't open he goes of course not we can't open it and then he's like yes we can and he's just playing this man who's for the doctor's like no big deal he can make it a joke he can be funny but this man is in in under a lot of stress it's his son he's worried about and he looks like he's about to burst into tears any second and Matt Smith's just like oh no whatever let's go open it after <laughs> freaking him out you know what I mean and I just feel like this is so common with the 11th doctor is he does this to everybody so it's always looks all happy on one side but if you really look at what he's doing to people like like he's really messing them up yeah and George was uh played by Daniel Mace uh well, he's Alex really Alex is Daniel Mace Alex is Daniel Mays? Yeah, Alex. Oh, sorry. I do agree like that. We have to remember that this is Alex's son. For the doctor, this is a mystery. So I agree that like the doctor should have a little more empathy for what Alex is going through. Bedside manner? Yeah, Yeah. better bedside manner. Well, I think that goes into what I was saying earlier about his tunnel vision. Like as soon as he gets hooked onto a mystery, everything else just sort of like plays second fiddle to that. Yeah, because the way I took that, is um, the doctor is having a conversation with himself. Yeah, and Alex just too. happens to be there. Yeah, right, right. And then right. it has the unintended consequences that you mentioned, Monica. The well, out loud inner monologue. Yeah. It's, I think it's very Sherlock. And granted, I know Mark Gaddis wrote this, but Sherlock works that way a lot, mm-hmm. where he just doesn't have that empathy for people. And he's like yeah. that sociopath that just can't understand why people are freaking out. And yeah. so in this episode, like Eleven is very much that. Where, you know, with George, he's very kind kind but with like Alex is not the same yeah. kind of like you know we'll get through this don't worry I believe you he's right. just kind of almost using him as like a like a sound box right like yeah. just kind of like bouncing ideas off of him but mm-hmm. but Alex is in actual stress and he does that with a lot of his companions too when they're freaking out or they're worried he's just like you know they're just kind of there as like you know like a soundboard somebody to just kind of like bounce ideas off of but he's yeah. not really looking at like the damage that like he's causing and Rory brings this point up in the God Complex in a couple episodes down, you know, about uh, kind of um, the danger he is to people. And- right. It's kind of like he, he really cares and he cares about people's emotions, but he can't recognize people's emotions because Alex is freaking the hell out the whole episode and he barely bats an eye. And same thing with Rory and Amy a lot of the times. And just like you said, the more upset someone gets, the calmer he gets and that's very interesting to watch uh hmm. but at the same time it, it it's, it's unless it's you're a of, kid it, then he's yeah, really unless you're a kid. yeah but what i'm saying i'm it's very interesting as an audience member to watch yeah um, um but i i find it to be cool that it's that consistent through his character that like he just almost like he can't read the social cues of someone being in emotional distress yeah i kind of saw it like uh if you took alex completely out of the scene it was just like i think it was eugene was saying where the doctor is literally just talking to himself like it didn't yeah. matter if anyone was there and it's almost just like when um like what was it this last uh, season when jody's in the matrix after she sees ruth starts talking to herself before trying to overload everything to get out from the master was just yeah like just the whole converse inner dialogue just saying it out loud because that's what the doctor right. does when I was, um, I went to San Diego Comic-Con, I think this was in 2018. Yeah, in 2018, and uh, Stephen Moffat was doing a panel for the Sherlock comic books. And so I sat in on that and he talks about how Sherlock only works on screen because if you actually met somebody like him oh, in yeah. person, you'd probably punch him. <laughs> 
And I think that that kind of goes to where like, you know, if Eleven was like so excited about a mystery in front of me as I'm worried about my child, I probably would have punched him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is why Claire had to go to work. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> My gosh, so could you imagine if it was switched and it was Claire being like, I wasn't pregnant, I didn't have a child, I can't have kids, I can't remember this, what's going on? Yeah. Oh, that had been... Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, this brings me to what we were talking about earlier, how they could have maybe seeded the fact that Claire and Alex have tried having kids. I, I don't know how they could have done it, but to me, it sort of comes out of nowhere, and which is uh, a problem I have with this episode. And and Eugene, you know, I argued with you uh, the last episode about I which I can't remember what it was about how more seating would have would have been great. Um, oh wait, no, the episode with um, Rivers me Melody. Uh, uh, no. uh, let's go, Mel. Yeah, I agreed with you that more seating definitely needed to happen but with this episode i loved that i didn't see it coming and I, it was it was a pleasant surprise rather than a whoa whoa back the truck up surprise um i think being a horror film feel to it they wanted that twist yes and the reason i'm bringing this up is because they had when when they show alex with the photos i'm like they could have done something there um maybe and, even and just I, like put the date on there was the date just, on there I yeah just something but I do understand like the reveal and that's what they were going for. But then there's something that happens later that if I can have, if you give me one of these reveals that comes out of nowhere, I can accept it. But then there's something else that happens later that I'm like, you could have done one, but not the other. And this is the one that I, this is the one that I feel like they could have, this is the one I would have not have had as as much as of a reveal as a, I, I hate not, <laughs> I we'll hate put not being, we'll yeah, I hate not being able to talk without uh, giving yeah, we'll, too much we'll, away, but we'll I'll bring it up, it up later. That yeah. Point. yeah, um, going on that because I can't speak fully about it because part of it's you know later also, but one thing I think the reveals are doing, at least specifically with this episode, also being it's written by Gaddis, and we were also talking about Sherlock, is a lot of it was information that only the doctor had seen, um, so we only know what the doctor knows yes. and maybe slightly a little more because we saw the exchange of like Amy and Rory and the the old woman we know why they're there but as far as what what uh George is we only know what the doctor knows and then the there's more that comes that he put you know puts it all together based on like remembering things just like a Sherlock episode but yeah sometimes it's like oh it's just another sherlock thing again and then sometimes it's like really well done and i noticed that they did the first time i noticed they did that tell was in the 11th hour when he was like going back and like tracking steps and it's showing like different things and stuff like yeah. that and it's like oh this is mm -hmm. kind of cool i can get used to this so so nate yes we do <laughs> sort of know what the doctor knows but also we don't because the doctor has knowledge of other species and that where sort of my problem comes with this episode. Mm, gotcha. So Monica mentioned that quote, and then I like how it's a great quote with the, the doctor, and then it turns it funny. Alex goes, you're not from social, social services, are you? Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing. Eleven has some of the best lines of oh. any doctor, in my opinion. Like, but they're all for nothing. Oh, it's not with that. <laughs> this I one wasn't for nothing. Stonehenge this one was worked. a setup. Azkatan, the leaf <laughs> defeated him. Um, <laughs> the demons this run, it was a setup. Episode, you guys. We can do a whole episode on just 11 lines. 
Oh, don't um, tell me Demon's Run was a setup. No, it was. No. They were. It was I know it was. Run. No, it totally was. Just don't tell me. <laughs> um, um, my last thing on this is on this part would be um, like the part where they're talking about like George, what are you? And George, the parents, like they get him in the habit. Everything he fears goes in the cupboard. And from the moment that they figure out what he is and question what he is, the cupboard comes to life and takes them in because I think they I think they are what he fears now they are yeah, the monster. He yeah. Fears, yeah, he well, fears rejection or being alone. Right, and if they find out who he is, then they won't want it. Like, the, the, that parents will want him, and that's what scares him so. Yeah. And it's all subconscious. He doesn't know what he is. Well, he can't control it either, because he wants them to save him from them, but he can't stop them, stop it from taking them. Yeah, you don't confront an alien being that's <laughs> doing this, what are you, without knowing <laughs> that it's going to scare that kid. But I did like the shots when the they shot it so that the cupboard was so close to the bed. They had moved it closer. And yeah, that, that struck me as well. That seemed very wrong. Gee, I loved it. It, just, it had the, right, but it, it just had such an envelopment feeling. You know that it will grab them. That they had no chance to get away from it. Just I like that but, look. So, so that set, that bedroom, is that a real? location or was that a stage did they have to that, move the cupboard forward to put lights behind it that's i think that's be. a stage yeah because all okay. walls is four walls there's no reason yeah all the lighting effects and all that stuff there's but no why yeah but then why move that. the yeah because of the mood yeah, yeah. to make it closer yeah. Yeah. yeah wouldn't it be cool if it just opened and then fell and like swallowed them Ooh. No, just uh, me. Like, okay. And then, because the, the, the landlord the went down. Hook. Yeah, the landlord went down into the carpet or yeah. whatever it was. When you think about what must actually be happening on set for them to capture the images of them like flying around and getting sucked into this closet with strobe lights going, like I love stuff like that because it's practical and it's it's all in the performance. But for us, it feels like if to me it felt so real yeah. that they were yeah. getting sucked into this closet, and that's the kind of stuff I love because it, it wasn't. CG. It yeah. wasn't big yeah. effects. It was simple stuff that sold the emotion yeah. to me. Right. And, and I like that scene because it reminded me of a Poltergeist. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very much. I'm with Heather. She's over there like, nope, nope. Me too, girl. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I don't do Poltergeist, okay? That is the greatest <laughs> movie. Same. <laughs> Poltergeist. Do you want to, okay, remember the whole melting baby conversation? I yes. have a problem. Oh. With people getting sucked into televisions, okay? I, I so Idiot's Lantern was not for you, <laughs> right? No, but luckily the effects were so bad that I was <laughs> tempered it down a little bit. I was I would always get nervous whenever I saw static on a TV, and I probably would if we ever saw static on a TV right? anymore. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I sometimes when I get really really scared, it's like fun. Yeah, it's like I love it. Well, that's so why like, he, that's, that's why horror exists. So I yeah, yeah. Well, Doctor I mean, like, Who is the scariest I can get. Like, <laughs> that's the scariest I can go. I don't like horror. I don't like the blood guts slasher horror type of thing. Well, suspense. Well, that's I different. Like. That's different. suspense. Yeah. In this. So I think this is more along that lines for me. And Poltergeist was more along that lines, where it was more suspense, not as much gore or horror. That's true. That's true. I think the Exorcist well, was worse. Uh, this is yeah. what horror movies used to be considered, and then they used horror elements in those gore movies, and then that became popular, right. and they call that horror movies. But stuff like this is really more what horror movies actually are, and the other is you know. We gore, should call them gore movies. Slasher, yeah. Go, oh, there you go. Coin well, there's subgenres, which we won't get into, <laughs> and it's just devolved and devolved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
If anybody's listening to this and I see gore blow up, I'm yeah. real ticked <laughs> off. Okay. Static. Ooh. <laughs> 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 I keep thinking this on? guy, this woman's name is Mrs. Rotisserie, and I want chicken so bad. <laughs> well, you'll then you'll be a poultry geist. <laughs> oh. I don't get it. Now you could leave. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Rossiter is in another area of the darkened house and also being followed by a creature in the shadows. Amy and Rory get closer to the sound of the laughter behind a door and open it. There is a human-sized, old-time doll with a wooden head standing there. They dismiss it and continue their search, being watched by the doll. In his apartment, Mr. Purcell begins sinking into the floor and disappears. He is now in the house, running from the human-sized dolls. He runs into Rory and Amy as one of the dolls captures him and transforms him into one of them. All the dolls now chase Rory and Amy, just wanting to play. Amy and Rory trap themselves in the library with the dolls just outside. With nowhere to go, they decide to rush to the door and make a run for it. Rory grabs a mop to keep the dolls away, but one captures Amy and turns her into a wooden-headed doll. The Mr. Purcell disappearing. When I first watched that, I was very impressed at how that looked. And then now watching it on the Doctor Who Confidential, they took the actor into a soundstage and they had a hydraulic lift. And then he lowered into a vat of green goo. Oh, like a green So I was screen. like, that's amazing that they came up with that. There's a, there's a diver underneath there and they had to come up with the right consistency to have it green, but also not too slippery. So it was really well done. And now that I know how I, they did it, I'm like, that's why it looks good. Yeah, for the face part, when we were watching it just before uh, for this, I was actually, actually thinking, I didn't know how they did it, but I was actually thinking about that. I thought it was like green water or something. Like, mm -hmm. oh, maybe you could do it with like a, a non-transparent, like green water. So like as he goes through, it just does it. And, oh, I guess. That is what they yeah, did. You're, you're, you know, pretty on the money on that one. <laughs> they just brought him to a Nickelodeon game show set. Right. <laughs> slime. <laughs> and we would need I always wanted to be that. slimed. <laughs> well, you just have to say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> While we're in deep, uh, Purcell's cut, room, Eugene. yeah, that the set, like the background of his room was pretty crazy. I don't know if you, anyone else looked around. There's like liquor in the middle, and then um, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a little, there's a little ceramic wagon. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. He had like empty pizza boxes in one corner, and then on the sofa there was like uh, a camera with a flash. So yep. they were they were definitely painting some weird picture of what this guy does <laughs> in his off time. Well, I noticed it was very spacious. He has like the best apartment in the complex, clearly. His furniture really looks hand-me-down too. Like that was totally <laughs> either someone died in that apartment and he just took it over or it's his like hand-me-down, you know, grandparents furniture. It's collection from all the apartments as residents Yeah, I bet you that's what it is. Yeah. I bet you that's what it is. People he's evicted. People he evicted, yeah, he just acquired their stuff. But, but to go on with Auburn, what you're saying, building this weird picture of his character that he mentions like watching TV and flipping channels and he goes, looks like we're going to watch that movie again. I'm like, what movie's that? that? Movie. I know. I, I know. I was know. thinking the same thing. <laughs> Both guys. I'm scared. I'm scared that it's know. some weird whole mo home movie that he made. Well, he didn't seem too thrilled <laughs> like a snuff about film? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, but But his dog was cute. His dog was Ugly. better in this scene. His dog was hardly bothered when he disappeared through the floor. Yeah, he really he was wasn't. Like, like, oh, finally! <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. always a good indicator of the person, right? How their yeah. their pet responds to things. I feel like because up until this part, I was thinking, wow, this guy is so great. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm so glad the dog cleared that up. This is another part where I think you had to get on with the plot and give up the character because Amy and Rory would not just leave the dummy standing there. At the very least, they would close the door again, you know? Oh, the original time they saw oh, The original oh. time they open it up and it's like the kid's laughing stops and they just see the right. dummy yeah. traveling with the doctor. They wouldn't right. just accept it as, wow, there's a human-sized doll there. Let's just ignore it and leave the door open and walk away. Well, I like that there's random items among this dollhouse because that is very true to you know, kids playing with dollhouse, you do put random items in there, like the thing of thread that we see later, or maybe in this scene, they block the door with the big thread. Um, spool. Spool, the, yeah. the, Yes, thank you, the spool of thread. I'm not a sewer. Uh, spool of thread and then the eyeball. The one thing that nit nitpicky note that bothers me, the mop that Rory grabs, what tiny mop exist? I've never seen a mop as an accessory to anything. No, like Barbie shoes or like, you know, a purse or something, but like, yeah. The end well, of the mop should have been solid. Yeah. Then that would have been working. Well, the, the, fir the first rule of comedy is everything's funnier in threes. The second rule of comedy is you can't go wrong with a mop. Okay. <laughs> well, to, um, I guess, nerd out a little bit on that, I have action figures with accessories that are mops and brooms, but like Frank said, they're solid. They're not actual. <laughs> oh, I was going to be like, liar, go get them. <laughs> now that I know they're solid, I'm not interested in uh, No, they're not here. This. They made an action figure of the cleaning woman from Ghostbusters. Is that what you have? No, they no, made a Spike Spiegel mop. Like Toxic Avengers, <laughs> right? Toxic Avenger, yeah. I don't think that kid had any of those. Yeah, well, they use their brooms for other purposes. But, but maybe right. he was scared yeah. of chores, so he put the mop. He didn't uh, want to mop the bathroom no, into was, the closet. It was a toy mop. It was an action. It probably made a weird <laughs> sound when he when somebody was mopping. Or in the shadow, it looked like a person standing there. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, figured it out. <laughs> but why were, were they turning into dolls? Like The psychic energy was sort of becoming a mind of its own and twisting the logic of things. Yeah. And, and this, like, and this be, became... Like, kind of like, one, be one of us, one of us, you know, just sort of like... <laughs> right, right. Um, like, almost like a single-celled organism, just kind of like, like an Azorbalov, just, uh, you know, oh, taking no. it all inside and turning, <laughs> turning all of the foreign elements into something like itself. Well, they, they just were, wanted they to were, play, and it's hard to yeah. play tag and things with only one person. So it was taking, they wanted it was more taking, people to play with. It was taking the monsters and turning the monsters into something a child would play with. But they're not, it's not human, so it doesn't realize that it's creating absolutely terrifying toys. Or George is an introvert and doesn't want to go with everybody in play, so that scared <laughs> him. And so having more and more people coming in wanting to play with you. Yeah, and, the, and it definitely was creepy. And well, again, Rory and Amy just running out, trying to get past them. Oh, and then she turns into a doll. Oh, that was so cool, yeah. the way she yeah, turned into a doll. It just seemed so on them. She got caught really them. easily. Yeah, She got yeah, caught she really did. easy, and then Rory ran. Like, it didn't seem like that big of a deal that that happened to her. So many other occurrences where Amy seemed like she may have died or been taken, like, it was horrific, and that was just sort of brushed. Uh, Rory's already been a doll. He knows it's not that bad. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I like the transformation. I I like that. It just seemed the, the story needed a little bit more of why they decided right then. It's like they could have left when they had when the dolls outside. Shadow left, but they stayed until the dolls came back and then said, "Now we open the door." <laughs> Mark Gaddis, you know, has been writing for a different show. Like it definitely feels like the characters aren't aren't quite right for what we know of them. Particularly Rory and Amy. I I felt Rory has acted out of character this entire episode um 
you know, even earlier when Amy discovers that the pot is actually wooden, Rory says that's stupid. But like, that's not something that I I would imagine Rory saying because he was more inquisitive. And and then here, yeah, when they're like, what can we do? And Amy wants to just make a run for it, mad dash. Like, yeah, that's not quite. Yeah. It's very, what it's I very know of their characters. Thinking. Yeah. So it is it is very plot. Like, well, we have to make yeah. Amy a doll, so they have to leave, and yeah. and that's that's hard to buy. And this again well, goes to uh, style over substance. They're sacrificing the substance for the the motif or the style of horror. Yeah. Right, but for something as simple as as this pot is stupid, but like he could have just said like you, that seems like a bad idea or an accident waiting to happen or. Right. right That's right, right. wackadoo. That's what he yeah. just said. <laughs> <laughs> Radical. You can't you can't go to that well too often. Again, if anybody's listening, I am available for ghostwriting. <laughs> Yowzas. <laughs> Yowzas, that's a wackadoo. <laughs> we got a new Hunu t shirt. <laughs> Yowzas, that's wackadoo. <laughs> that's better than timey wimey. Is it? No. <laughs> the doctor and Alex realize that they are inside the dollhouse in the back of George's cupboard. Alex asks the doctor how he could have forgotten that Claire could not have children, and what is George? A perception filter altered their memories so they would accept George as their son. He is a Tenza, a being born in space that can feel what their hosts want, in this case a child, and assimilates to that desire. But something triggered this cycle of fear in his unconscious. Suddenly, a doll finds them and they run, carrying large safety scissors to keep the doll away. The doctor yells for George to face his fears and open the cupboard. They run into Rory, who is followed by doll Amy and the others. So, this perception filter is becoming to be a bit of a... Uh, a de- deus ex machina? Yes. <laughs> I enjoy the concept of it, but uh, it's a very easy go-to. <laughs> and then this thing, this is where, it, I don't want to say it loses me, but it's just all this, oh yeah, and he's an alien, and this is all happening because he's an alien, and you didn't really have kids and all this stuff like this, so now you got to make him believe in fairies, and then we'll all be okay. Real quick. And, yeah, and this is where my criticisms is coming from. Like, if they had seeded some of these things earlier, I would have been able to buy this reveal a little better. And it's coming from repeated watchings. Like, the first time yeah. I watched it, it was it's great. And then you yeah. watch it again, and you're like, oh, wait, this doesn't exactly, like, the pegs don't connect into the square hole or, you know. But, and even if, like, I think whoever was saying it was earlier was right about the photographs are very prevalent, but that seems to be the only thing they're using to plant that seed. They could have done a couple other things possibly to um and and have it mean something else in that moment and then you can oh and that's why that thing happened like the earlier. spaceship he came in like something Superman like that or yeah. Something, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah like yeah just something that wouldn't have tipped off the plot that that plot device but would have just sort of brought us into the story and be a mislead like the doctor says oh there's that thing because of this well what does that mean and then it brings us somewhere else so our brain just goes to like well that's the reason we saw that and then when it loops around like eugene said Thing, um, it ends up being, uh, you know, like a kind of like a complete thing. I almost feel like there's a few episodes, and again, I'm usually the person who defends a lot of these episodes because I enjoy them so much, but I think there's a number of episodes that have a great idea and they just loosely tie things together. And all they need to do is just tie it a little tighter to make it like, you know, yeah. really solid. And, and one and I, change that I think would have okay. tied it all together. We renamed the alien race from Tenza to Fiveza. 
<laughs> and then it's it's all in the beginning, from the very first click of the light, we seeded it oh. five times. Yeah, see, and yeah, then so the second time you watch, you would have, have like, to be five oh. times. Yeah, I yeah. thought you were making kind of five light bulbs going off. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I think that would have like tied it all. Be because like I keep going on to the photos because that's the like what Josh mentioned. That's the only thing they're using. So I'm like, could you have done something in those photos? Yeah, like you could like like Monica said, even if they see we see that spaceship in the beginning and to you to to Albert's point, if it was flashing five times and it, we wouldn't have had any reference for that yeah. yet. Just something to kind of like close that. Or because you could even put a perception filter on his spaceship or whatever, right? Right. Like, oh, it's right. the lamp or it's yeah. this. The or it's, it's whatever. The it's the cupboard. It's the cupboard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The light should go off ten times, not five times. That would have fixed that on the other way. <laughs> ten is too many. That's why it's easier just <laughs> oh, to yeah. change the name. Sorry. Yeah. Just ten times. Oh they my god. <laughs> not a hundred percent sure I want to open this can of worms, but um, oh. what if? George was one of the almost people. <laughs> the gangers? Then we would have seen him before. The yeah, gangers, the gangers. Yeah. Oh, no, that no. No, that would have been very Moffity. <laughs> but the the reason I say that is not because I want it or whatever. But the sentiment at the at the end of this episode was the same as the sentiment at the end end of that episode, where right. it's, they're still people. We can still live among them. Right. It it was the same thing. So when he said that, like he's still your child, it made me think of right. that yeah. episode. Jim, it's a ganger. Jim and um, his Adam? kid. That's right, Adam. Adam. Um, there's a lot of child parent. Um, elements in this season, even down to River and, you know, and, and her Rory and Amy being her parents and um, other things that I'm sure you guys are thinking of that I can't recall. <laughs> uh, but there's uh, like th like what we were just talking about and this and then the baby you know there's just there's a lot of that going through the season i wonder if maybe that's why it's a recurring thing like that was a plan yeah we're, we're a bunch of writers having kids yeah i think that's a recurring thing in doctor who in general like um bill potts's season bill was always talking about her mom that she never got to meet the episode of like uh where all the people are like where the tree and the bugs Knock, knock. Knock, knock. There we go. That one is very, <laughs> like, parent-oriented. And we do have to remember, this is an, uh, a show that is geared towards children at, at the base level, right? Like, that is where it starts. Yeah. George hears the doctor, opens the door, and is sucked into the house. The doctor tells him that he created this world, and only he can stop it. But George doesn't believe him. The doctor remembers the first thing George said to him when they met. Are you here to take me away? George's subconscious picked up on his parents' worry and possibility of rejecting him. Matenza only wants to be accepted, and the fear of being rejected was manifesting as the monsters. The dolls surround George as he yells for his father. Alex runs to him and picks him up, protecting him from the dolls. He promises that they will never send George away, no matter what. He is their son. The dolls change back into humans and return to where they were taken. Mrs. Rossiter among the garbage bags, Mr. Purcell on the floor of his apartment, and Amy and Rory in the lift. George, Alex, and the doctor return to George's bedroom. I love this uh, moment with Amy and Rory as they walk out. Amy goes, was I? Or Rory's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the part yeah. that kind of tripped me up here was that the boys acting, I thought he was excited to be taken away. Like, uh, I was confused in that moment. Like he's not a great actor. Yeah, I was interpreting. Spielberg it that didn't way, cast so. that kid, but he's cute. So <laughs> he's cute, and I think he was so uh, he had such a uh, an energy to him. I think it was well cast. 
you know, for, at first you think he's like a little obsessive compulsive, maybe on a spectrum or something. But after you realize what he is, maybe he just doesn't fully understand human emotions or how to convey things. Because right. I didn't really see when he's like, are you here to take me away? I didn't see it as any emotion at all. Just right. him blandly saying it. Like he didn't know how to say it. He's just saying the words, but not expressing it. Right. I think that's how I was taking it. But then when the whole episode revealed itself to be about George's fear of being taken away, did did they play that moment earlier like you're saying? Or was it just, that's the best a kid could do? Or maybe they did that so that you could go either way on it. Right. Yeah, because right, when cause... at the, the very end, I mean, this is kind of skipping at the very end, he doesn't, he seems to have emotion. Like when they're all, like everything's said and done and they're like, oh, everything's good. He's like, yeah. Or, you know, he's sitting there yeah. all joyful. They probably had him do it like 10 times and they chose the most ambiguous one. Probably. But I didn't remember um, when I first saw the episode. I, mean, I remembered what happened like at the end overall, but I remember it being as emotional as it was with the father saying like, you know, you're my son. I love you. I'll accept you. And like them crying. And I'm just like, oh, this is a lot more emotional than I remembered it being. Because <laughs> that happens to me a lot too, is on second, third, whatever viewing, once we already know what's basically what happens, we start to watch it on a s subtext level. Uh, and we're not sitting there like, well, who's this? And what's that? And what's going on? We are now reacting more to the emotional content. That happens to me all the time while we're you know doing this podcast and I'm rewatching stuff. And I, I would say nine out of 10 times when I go to watch a show like, oh, this one, I end up liking it more. I end up, it ends up being one I really like because I'm Absolutely. actually, I think the geek in me gets disappointed in some things. And then um, when I rewatch it, I'm just kind of letting the emotional content watch, watch over me. The human in you That's right. <laughs> appreciates. I only have one heart and I end up crying. <laughs> you know, Alex said at the beginning that George doesn't cry. And then George cried in his arms. It's like George has let go of a lot of that and has now fully become their son. Seems like he was always part of the Tenza beforehand, not knowing where he's fitting, trying to become this, what they want. Right. Yeah, now it's like, this... no, he is now their kid. Yeah, this this area is one part of this episode that I always remember because it's it, it does hit the emotional beats for me. Alex says, uh, it sounds like he's going to say, you're not my son, but he says, you're human. And I thought that was great. Then. Like Alex's hang up in that moment is never that like this is not my son. It's that it's an alien. So yeah. how can I love it? But I just I just like that 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 it was never he's not our son and he's able to run to George at the moment and be like you are our son. We will never get rid of you or we're never gonna like send you away or whatever that George is or it's revealed that that's George's like main fear that he's gonna be sent away. Um, and also just, his instinct on Alex's yeah. part, right? The minute he says Dad is when. When he runs yeah uh but i i really like this episode too i just feel that the moment of explanation of the the fantasy of it was just like shot out of a cannon so fast that i felt like we could have had a little bit more yeah that's where more, i agree but, with you and that's where my criticisms are coming yeah. from but i don't think it didn't take away the feeling of the show i was crying at the end when you know he ran to him and stuff like that but so i i really like this episode i just felt like they just put so much thought into so much 
that there's just these big, you know, when you when you make a right hand turn, you kind of want people to know where you're going. And Eugene, now I understand what you're saying about the two points. I see them differently. The first point, not knowing about George, I liked a lot. This point, I agree, it went too fast because of what you guys are even talking about with spaceships never entered my mind. The way I saw Tensas was that they're all born a lot and they travel in space. They don't have spaceships. They're more not yeah, true. Them. Like fear her. I, yeah, I, I imagine you know? that too, but I really like Monica's just the concept of the idea of yeah. like just something to tell. Maybe the egg he hatched in, I don't know. Maybe right, there were yeah. stars that blinked five times, whatever it may have been. Just It's an alien. That's all you well, needed to know. But then they said a little bit too much, which had all of our minds going different ways. Because yeah. I'm wondering, are Tensas a horse? Are Tensas a loved one that died that now is alive again? Is Tensa your mate that you never found who just grows up to be as automatically an adult? They fill whatever you need. So it's not necessarily like a child that's no, they needs needed a, a home. Child. They really wanted that child. So it became a child. Wait, wait, I got um, it, I got it. You know what Tenzas are? Tenzas are the shooting stars that you wish on. Oh. Yes! There you go. <laughs> love it, love That's it. So See, wow. If they would have said that in that moment, I would have been yeah, okay with it. What if all yeah. I really need is a color they printer? Kind of, but it all came too quickly to give some kind of wrap up. Yeah, and it was so a printer. Move on to it. Like you guys have mentioned before, it's, it's meant for children at the base, right? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. you don't need a lot. Kids will be like, oh, okay. <laughs> One of my this is one of my favorite shows and I've watched so many. I'm like, what is what what's happening here again? I don't remember what happens. And I'm and I enjoy it more as a result. On repeat Maybe you need a child consultant. <laughs> we'll get social services. What do you here. think, Junior? <laughs> oh my gosh, sometimes I need that from my son. Or sometimes um yeah, just because there are episodes that I'll watch and I'm just like, well, that was that was horrible. Like I did not enjoy the episode. My kids like that was the best thing ever. I'm like, what did you watch? <laughs> we had that a lot. Where like I feel like my son and I, my youngest, my eight year old and I, like always love the same episodes. We're like, oh, that's so great. And Nate's like, what are you talking about? That was a terrible episode. <laughs> And so like all my criticisms before, this is one I have praised that this, it still holds the impact after several viewings. So I like that that is still um, still the case in this point. I also think uh, that the actor who plays the father, he's so, such conviction in his stress. Because he didn't seem like a father who was angry or didn't care. He felt like a father who was in, in anguish and despair over what was happening even before the whole you know, plot was unveiled to him. So by the time, you know, to see this person who was in despair from frame one feel happy at the end, I think that's part of the emotional cathartic, uh, oh, catharsis for sure. as well. And oh, I was just going to say, like, as a parent, I feel like Alex's acting was everything you internalize or what you're thinking in your head. Because as a parent, you're always freaked out in your head, yeah. like, and probably having all the same thoughts, but you're like keeping it together. But you see that translate in the way he's just stressed the whole episode. Yeah. According to IMDb, the actor was drawn to this script because he is a father himself. Yeah, I felt like he was at his wit's end for the whole episode. Like, you know, he's trying to figure out what to do with the kid and, well, with the son. And he doesn't know what to do. And then it seemed like, not fully, but there might be, like, potential, like, marital stress because they don't know what to do and they don't agree and so forth. And then just, like, the level of worry and the glossiness in his eyes when uh, the dude's asking him for his rent 
and they're trying to figure he's trying to like you know they're past due and just he's got all this stuff piling up and he's just trying to figure out how he's going to take care of his family and it's just building on top of him this is a great episode for you guys to be on i really appreciate this perspective (laughs) yeah thank you it's a good episode overall like well, it's weird oh, yeah. because when we were talking about you guys coming on, we were like, oh, they're coming on for that episode. <laughs> That's what I thought. But but no, I think no, this turned out well. <laughs> I think it turned out very well. Tick-tock goes the clock. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, that's like um, the Fred Krueger song. That's what I kept Thank thinking. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another one of those things that um, followed me through my life. <laughs> Well, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Yeah, that's enough. Three, four, Thank lock you. the door. <laughs> Excuse me, I have to go lock the door. <laughs> tie your yep. shoe, girl, tie your shoe. I'm so used to that version. I said to Frank last night, I can't remember the real version except one, two, buckle my shoe. And I was surprised I remembered that part. Five, six, pick up sticks. I don't know what three, four is. <laughs> Shut the door. Shut that door. Yeah. Uh, Five, six, pick up sticks, seven, eight. Lay them straight. Don't be late. Uh, don't be late. Lay them yeah. straight. I thought it was lay them straight. You pick up the sticks and you lay them straight. Sticks and lay them straight. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I'm sure. I'm sure it's all. This is all a dark meta. This is all a metaphor for something dark in history. I'm sure. Nine ten. Do it over again. But isn't nine ten a big fat hen? Yeah, nine ten is a big fat hen. So what's that mean? Maybe there's a a censored version of the song that's less morbid. Nine ten, big fat hen. Seven eight nine. What? That's the funeral dinner. But uh, this particular TikTok song, we don't hear all of the lyrics until the very end. So we'll go into that in the next paragraph, Even which is... for the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> when this, uh, I'm sorry, when you were talking about this TikTok song, is this the same one that plays when they capture River? And then like, and then River kills the doctor? Because I feel yeah. like they, they play this song like down the line as well, right? I believe so, yes. Two more episodes. Okay. Uh, I mean, in two different episodes. So uh, I looked it up. It's called uh, One, Two, Buckle My Shoe. It's, oh, you uh, beat me. <laughs> it's an English language nursery rhyme and counting out rhyme. It has what's... no dark really? meaning. Well, what's oh. the rest of it, though? One, two, buckle my shoe. Three, four, knock at the door. Knock at oh. the door. Five, six, pick up sticks. Seven, eight, lay them straight. Hmm. Nine, ten, a big fat hen. 11, 12, dig and delve. 13, 14, maids a courting. 15, 16, maids in the kitchen. 17, 18, maids in waiting. 19, 20, my plate's empty. Okay, and no one ever counts past 10 for a reason. Never heard the past 10, yeah. Only thing that ever happened in a bucket when I was a kid was Liza with a hole. Children back then had such a better vocabulary than even I do today. Claire comes home from her night shift to a strange sight. Her son's smiling and laughing with Alex and the doctor. They say that George is fine. She begins to question it, but stops and just accepts the happy news. The doctor leaves and asks Amy and Rory where they want to go next. The unobserved TARDIS screen shows the day and time of the doctor's death at Lake Silencio. Uh, I like that this is a kind of a callback to the lodger. When Claire comes in, the doctor greets greets her with a kiss, just like he did in the lodger. That's right. That's right. The, the European. <laughs> the only thing that slightly bugged me about this was that like George was still in his pajamas on the counter. Like this kid's got no other clothes. This is obviously it's later. Morning. Oh my God! Are you aware of children? My nephews wear the same clothes <laughs> for three days straight. Right now we're in quarantine, and I don't know when my kids change last. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, that would be March. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt Smith does a very deep 
deep reference in this scene. Um, they're making kippers for breakfast, and kippers are a, a type of way you make fish. So they're so kippers are fish. And when you see Matt Smith, he's walking through the kitchen. He's got the packet of kippers, and he's doing this through the air. You know, he's waving. He's waving, and they're flying fish from Christmas Carol. Wow. Yeah. Another deep. That was the best part of the episode for me. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ask what kippers are because I don't know what kippers are. So another uh, deep cut is earlier in this episode when the doctor is with George. He mentions that three of his favorite bedtime stories as a child are the Three Little Centaurans, the Emperor Dalek's new clothes, and Snow White and the Seven Keys to Doomsday. <laughs> the, the Seven Keys to Doomsday is a Doctor Who stage play from 1974. Wow. Really? Oh. Oh, look at that. Uh, wow. Is it a like uh, from the Doctor Who people? It was uh, officially sanctioned, but they had like you know stage actors playing parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like Horcruxes or something. <laughs> because this season was split into two parts. The first part with Lake Silencio, how it all started, and then we went a whole different tangent. You know, found out about River. So the second half had that big break in time with three months, and then starting over again. It's like you forget about. Lake Silencio. You forgot about that. So bringing that back in now. Oh, this is the story arc for the entire season. I forgot. Yeah, I thought it was interesting at the end of this episode when he's sitting there and they when he, they sit down outside of the apartment complex with Amy and Rory. And he's like, ah, oh, it's glad to have us back all in the flesh. And I'm like, wait. Yeah, wait, I noticed we're, that too. Wait, we, we just had an episode about the flesh like earlier. Yeah, but it can end up being nothing. But I just thought that was a rather you interesting can, wording. That's a crack incident. You can't well, just, was it nothing? just was throw he... these references around willy-nilly. Or was that a clue to something coming up? You know, it could be. Uh, mm. I'm telling you, they've trained us to like yeah. be looking for this stuff and throw us off. And then later on, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, humans always looking for patterns where they don't exist. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, new, the new podcast, Doctor Who Conspiracy Theories. <laughs> well, Kelsey, when we were watching it, noticed that the doctor really got out of there in a hurry. And uh, Alex had a fun, like, almost chasing after the doctor as he was halfway down the hallway just to get a little bit of reassurance that everything was going to be okay. But that was a really neat, like, final character moment with Alex and George both on the hallway there and both finally coming to that full acceptance of their future. Yeah, because Alex mentions, is George going to grow like another head? And it reminded me of like Amy and Rory's concern of being pregnant. Is yeah. he going to grow? A, is my baby going to grow a time head? <laughs> yeah, and then uh, there's that part where he says he'll be whatever you want him to be. And I was like, what does that mean? So he's not so George never comes into his own like, oh my gosh, I thought that too. But now I just think it's a Tenza thing. Yeah. Yes. Well, for for the for me, being George is the Tenza fulfilling coming into its own. Like because the Tenza race are their whole thing is that they become whatever anyone needs them to be. Gotcha. So the Tenza as a as a as a person as a Tenza as a being as a being. Um and how lucky for Alex and Claire. Like because all because as parents, you know. <laughs> parents put stuff on children right like i want you to be a doctor i want you to be happy and like but but we are our own people um for claire and alex like their son is actually going to become whatever they want him to be so if they want their son to be a lawyer george will become a lawyer i take that further you know being in the social climate that we are now that george can be whatever he wants to be as far as like um let's just say 
sexual preference because of what happened with um, the Supreme Court ruling. So that's the, how that kind of hit me during this uh, second watch or third watch, whatever you want to say. So I, I like that you can kind of apply that to not only occupation, but you can kind of like love whoever you want to love. And I had it where it wasn't an occupation, but it reminded me of, again, Star Trek. But there's an episode where a being will then become whatever their mate wants them. Yeah, and, the but perfect she, mate. I'm sorry, yeah. what planet is this? <laughs> um, They're very rare, actually. But she comes out of stasis too soon, and she deals with the captain, who unknowingly wants her to be independent, smart, don't come out of stasis you know, too so soon. She cho yeah. chooses to become that <laughs> rather than what you know the other person wants her to be. You know, so that is how I saw it more. You can't. Your child can be compassionate, smart, a leader. What do you want the world to be? You know, it's like you you have a lot of responsibility, fear, and good both ways. Going, he will be what you want. So don't worry about it. Just love him, and he'll be loved, and that's what he'll be. I think I have a thought or question on that. What if they want grandchildren? Does he go out and have a relationship and have half Tenza human There's babies? There's a <laughs> Or, or does he, or is they, what do you call it, mitosis or whatever? Do, do oh. they? Does he create grandchildren as part of the illusion, and they just all of a sudden just accept that they have grandchildren? Right, like, like a cuckoo bird eventually leaves the nest and starts other cuckoo bird families, right? They don't become whatever bird right. they, they put their eggs in with. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, George is going to grow up and be, be a Tenza. He's going to have to leave, right, to continue the Tenza race if this is how they, you know, how they, yeah. how they spawn. If they take that metaphor, you know, completely, yeah. He'll have a big fat henza. And that, that might be why puberty becomes an actual issue. Oh. But we won't ever see mm. that. No. Yeah, you guys really thought about this. Well, the <laughs> That's why we're on a podcast. Well, the doctor mentioned it's like a cuckoo. That's part um, of the problem I have with this episode is that it goes by too quickly. Like he's you're given that information. No, this is not episode's not quick. No, no, a lot of what they say is quick. We've had that problem with. I know, I know, I'm writing because he did say, you yeah. know, even the comic lines, like, oh my gosh, the the cupboard's bigger on the inside. Oh, that's a lot more yeah, common than yeah. you think. Yeah. You know, that you might have caught, but then you didn't catch that he's trying to sonic the doll with, and it's like, oh, I got to do a setting for wood. I got to fix this because yeah. it doesn't work on wood. You know, a lot of those things just went by pretty quickly. Right, but we have a prior knowledge of those things, so we're able to pick them up faster. But maybe okay. it doesn't end yeah. until its need is ended. So maybe it, it kills but imagine its parents die. The, the life cycle of the Tenza might live a full life cycle and then become a right. Tenza. You don't know the Tenzas, okay? We don't know anything. That's that's what it is. We don't know anything about the Tenza. Yeah. That's one thing I do love and also hate about in multiple episodes of Doctor Who are these throwaway lines at the end of the episodes where like Smith in this one was like, oh yeah, puberty is a weird age. I might drop in. So you're like, oh, cool. Like that maybe, you know, we might see some follow up, but you never do. Right. But I do like that. I do like that they throw it in there, but then it's also annoying that, oh, I'm, uh, we're never going to find out. <laughs> right, right. But it opens it up for like things like big audio, uh, big finish audios, like, um, you know, just this expanded universe right. because there's so much 
What if, like, some of the writers listen to this episode and they're like, oh, we need to make a Tenza episode? The demand! I don't know if you follow Big Finish on Twitter, but they just recently asked, like, hey, what do you guys want to see? And then they literally put a GIF of them taking notes. Oh, <laughs> nice. A Tenza follow up episode. <laughs> <laughs> I want 10 Tenza episodes. <laughs> Cool. So we mentioned Daniel Mays earlier. He plays the dad, Alex. He played Tivik in Rogue One, which is in the very beginning in that oh, yeah, planet, yeah, yeah. that planet yes, where he has sure. like a cape. And then uh, he was Sergeant Sanders in 1917, that recent movie, the World War One movie. And then he was Arthur Young in Good Omens. Oh. Oh that's yeah. Why okay, that's I remember that's that right. role. Oh, he's the kid's. He's the kid's father. Yeah, yeah. He's the Andrew He's Adam's father. Father. Oh, okay. Uh, Jamie Oram plays George. This episode is his first acting gig, and he voices Freddy Frog and Peppa Pig. Cute. <laughs> Emma Conaith plays Claire, the mom, and she's done a lot of UK TV series that I have not watched. Andrew Tiernan plays Andy Purcell. He's also done a lot of UK TV, and he played Ethialtes, the which is the deformed guy in 300 and 300 Rise of an Empire. Oh. If you remember, like the hunchback looking guy. Yeah. That was a hard role. Layla Hoffman plays Mrs. Rossiter. She's also done a lot of UK TV. And she played Augusta Longbottom in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Hmm. Sophie Coson plays Julie. And she's the mom of the twins. Oh, right. <laughs> she played Ellie in Only Humans and Wench Number One in Thor The Dark World. <laughs> wench Number One. I mean, she was the best wench. That's right. Next to the best boy. Oh, that would be, I'm <laughs> sorry, that would be number one wench. Sorry. <laughs> Louise Bound plays uh, Mrs. Rossiter's peg doll, and Barbara Fadden plays the peg doll soldier. Hmm. Say anything about the twins? No. Maybe because they didn't. They weren't real. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have any lines. Yeah, that's what oh, I was thinking that's too. True. Uh, this is also the first full-length episode since Fear Her, in which there are no casualties at all. Each all victim right. is seen returned to life by the end of the episode. Oh. It showed that on the Doctor Who Confidential on the DVD that Jamie, who plays George, had a lot of fun on set. Everybody seemed to love him. Aww. When Alex and the Doctor are in the kitchen and they're by the, the fridge, they open and close the door as they're talking. That was uh, improv. Improved hmm. both oh, that was well done. Yeah, it was well done. Like where the doctor opens the door and then Alex closed it up like that, that moment. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to leave. He's like, no. Yeah, that was cool. a really nice scene because at the end, the doctor does open the door and get gets whatever he was getting Milk. out of the fridge. Yeah. Like, I mean, as two characters back and forth and having the door as like subtext of your fight. Yeah. Like, that's really, yeah, it turned out really well then. Good for them. So Night Terrors, who is this episode good for? Or more specifically, this episode is good for who? A new viewer, a casual viewer, a fan of the show, or a diehard? Um, I really do think that this episode would be good for someone who's never watched Doctor Who because um, I think this is a standalone episode. There's nothing in this episode that I think um, there's there's homages to different episodes, but there's nothing that is plot dependent on knowing something from a different from another episode. And um, I think it's a fun episode. So I'm gonna say that this episode is good for a new, um, or sorry, it's good for everyone. This episode is good for everyone. Everyone can enjoy this, from a diehard fan to someone who's never um, watched Doctor Who. 
Uh, I agree. I think this is good for a new Who viewer. Someone who, um, uh, I think it's got a lot of good Doctor stuff. It's, I think it's a good episode. It kind of breaks the vibe a little bit, sort of like Blink did. I don't, obviously it's not as good of an episode as Blink, but I think it shows what the what Doctor Who episodes can be. And um, anything that I personally talked about that I wasn't crazy about is very minor compared to how much I enjoyed it. And there's not a lot of uh, stuff, uh, help me out here. <laughs> about other episodes connective uh references yeah and there's not a lot of other references to many other episodes that this that uh would confuse anyone there's a few sprinkled throughout that uh, more familiar fans will get a kick out of but you don't need to know any of them to enjoy it the first time i didn't like it at all i'm thinking only a diehard should watch this and then watching it again going no i think everybody could enjoy this or watch it. It would not be one that I introduce to somebody unless they're specifically looking more for that horror scariness. You know, they like those kind of shows, but there's still other episodes I think I'd pick first in that category of horror. Um, but after watching it a couple of times and after our discussion, I am gonna go for the first category of it doesn't, for everything that you guys have said before. I think anybody can just sit down and watch it and understand a little bit more about Doctor Who, whether or not they wanna continue or not. I agree with everything Frank said in that did not like it the first time, enjoyed it a lot more the second time. And the reason that I'm putting it in a, a new Who viewer category is because, which is by the way, the category I'm putting it in, is because to me, this episode gave me a lot of callbacks to um, Rose's time on the show and some of the old school episodes with the, you know, the monsters that are kind of creepy, but also kind of like, what? <laughs> and I liked that. So if you're introducing someone to the show and you're expecting them to then go back to the beginning, this might be a little bit of a an introduction to that kind of episode. So yeah, I'm going with New Who Viewer. Uh, this is one, one example where I like our rating category system because it is not how much you liked the episode. It's a different way of looking at it. Um, I don't like this episode. I think it's really low on plot. There's barely a plot and it's all mood. And they're really, really, really trying to get you into that spooky mood. I just kind of wish that they, they got to the plot a little quicker and maybe had a little bit more with um, Alex and George and the doctor and George rather than being with Rory and Amy running around dark rooms. So um, it's standalone. It's, it's, you know, you don't really have to know what's going on before or after. Um, you get a good handle on who the doctor is and even who Rory and Amy are. Not that I ever would, but I would probably do a new Who viewer, but I would never, <laughs> ever, ever do that. And if someone came to me and said, I've never watched Doctor Who, I'm going to watch Night Terrors, I would say, go with God. <laughs> that was physically so, painful for you, wasn't it? Yes, it was. <laughs> Because the, really the rating system is not whether we like it or not. This would be a good episode for some people. And it would, you know, depend on the person. But yeah, I just, this one just kind of like, yeah, all right, moving on. Next. Well, I, I'm I'm really surprised that the number of everyone and new, new Hugh uh, viewers for this particular episode, and not because I, I don't um, not like the episode. I, it did grow on me watching it more, but I do remember my initial reactions to it. Um, my initial reactions weren't very good, and it still took a little bit to, to warm up to it. And I'm not as convinced that it's a really good um, example of Amy and Rory as characters. Mm. So for me, I, I'm gonna put it into I'm going to say a fan category because I think even as a casual viewer, like this isn't one that I like to revisit. 
you know, as we said, like it's it's kind of a hit or miss for for however my mood is. Like I did enjoy it, and I think it is really strong. Like I, uh, the cinematography in it is great, and the the ideas and the theatricality of the sets are really awesome. But you know, as far as introducing someone to Doctor Who with this episode, I personally wouldn't. And I know just from my own reactions, like as as a a fan and as a casual viewer like i haven't gone back to it and it it, it just it's a little off for me so i'm gonna say fan but I, I i definitely hear what everyone is saying for everyone like i think those are all valid arguments too um okay i know i originally was like oh yeah it was a gaddis episode i didn't really like a lot of the gaddis ones but um if gas is listening i'm sorry baby i, I love it it's okay um <laughs> But to be honest, I think I would have to put it down as um, a new viewer one. Like, it, I think it's well-rounded enough to where there aren't enough there where it's self-explanatory. There, there aren't the questions that you would ask. Like, I don't know if it'd be the first episode I'd really have a new viewer watch, but especially with what they did with the Smith era the, in um, season five and six, where they had the intro that goes, hi, I'm Amy, and this is the doctor. And they kind of like give the explanation for everything right up front. So you don't have to really explain anything. And then you go into the standalone episode that's kind of self-containing as well. Um, yeah, I think if it was on and someone was interested in watching it with me, I'd be like, all right, sit down. This is Doctor Who. Like, I, you know, you wouldn't have to go and fully in depth, like stop every second and be like, oh yeah, that's what this is. The only part you might have to explain is the, the psychic paper. I think I'd say new viewers would be good for this one. I think that um, it's not something I would introduce anybody. Uh-oh. Did she freeze for everyone else? Yeah. Yes. Oh no, yeah. we got so far. You froze! <laughs> she's still frozen. But what if she's still talking? She probably is. Yeah, she probably is. You uh, want her to come over to you yours? Do you want me to go get her? <laughs> go yeah. to your computer. All right, be back. Go get she, prob she probably saw that we're all frozen on her end. Oh, what? Is she oh, 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 I know I told her that she froze, but yeah, she was in there just talking. Oh. <laughs> oh, it, it, it came, right as you walked in, it came back. Oh. It, it literally just turned it off. I think it's frozen. It's a ghost oh my gosh. Are you not there? If something here. walks into that screen, I'm going to scream. <laughs> <laughs> Hi guys, sorry about that. I said oh, if somebody good, if something good. walks past your other camera, I'm going to scream really loud. <laughs> So yeah, what I was saying is I wouldn't introduce anybody new to this episode. It doesn't explain time travel, the psychic paper, time lords at all. Like it could just be Matt Smith is like a regular human. You wouldn't have known that you, if I had watched it for the first time, I would have thought maybe he was a doctor, you know, so who goes around and like helps little kids is what I would have kind of taken as like what this show is about. And he hangs out with these people, Amy and Rory. There's no explanation to who they are. Um, I think that if somebody was really into horror and you wanted to get them into Doctor Who, you could show them that, but they might be disappointed by future episodes because they wouldn't they wouldn't match up because they're not all like this. And um, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, obviously. We've all seen Chip Dye Galley. Um, but I wouldn't have watched this episode again if it wasn't for this podcast. So that's the only reason I would say that this is for, it would be in a fan category. I can introduce this to new viewers because I do know people that like horror, but looking at it, 
I'm probably going to put it in a casual category just because if you happen to watch this, you can get enticed enough. You can have enough curiosity that you can go and find out what the show is about. Despite all the things that I brought up for criticisms and things that I have problems with as far as things being explained too quickly, the the moment at the end with the, the Alex and George, the father and son moment still rings true. So that that punch is enough for me to recommend it to some people. And if uh, people are casually watching this, I think they can get a good spectrum of what uh, Doctor Who the show is about. Thanks to Monica and Nate for coming along. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you? You can find me, Monica, on templeofgeek.com. That is our website. Uh, We're a group of about 20 different geeks who volunteer our time to write about our passions in fandom. We are at templeofgeek.com on TikTok, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook. And then me personally, you can find me at uh, thisdorkynerd on Twitter or Instagram. I don't talk to strangers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm part of temple of geek as well so you can go to templeofgeek.com there are if you contact us things you could you know email individual people of us 20 some odd people who work on the website and write articles and we are i'm gonna gladly say international because we have some people who are in other countries that participate in our website as well. Uh, myself, I am. I mainly just pay attention to Instagram because I just I just can't do multiple things like that as far as social media. Um, just known as Doc in the Box. I have underscores in the name. If you look it up without the underscores, I'm sure I'll bring it up. If not, oh, it was nice talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So on our website, we have a guide to introducing new viewers to Doctor Who. It's an article written by Madison Moreau. She's uh, at MadHuvian on Twitter and Instagram. And she put together a really cool guide that we like to kind of share. And it's, it's nice because she includes, it's not just her opinions, but she asked on Twitter what other Whovians think. And she included all their responses in her article. And so I really like that it wasn't like her personal take, but what the fandom thought. And then the Temple Geek podcast, we cover tons of, um, you know, Doctor Who content um, depend when the shows are airing. Uh, Nate also has some interviews from San Diego Comic-Con with um, the game developers of, I'm sorry, Nate, what is the... What is was it? Edge, Edge of Time? Edge of Time. The, the VR one? Yeah. So that's on our YouTube channel if you want to check that out, as well as his reviews for Doctor Who episodes on our YouTube channel for Temple of Geek. So thanks again to Monica and Nate from Temple of Geek and the internet for joining us on this episode. Uh, So that wraps up Night Terrors. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we will see you next time when the future becomes the present. You've just listened to an episode of Who Knew? Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook at The Universe Explodes. All our episodes are engineered by Auburn. You can find him at auburnbinkley.com. You can also find this show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Who Knew Podcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. Visit our Facebook page. Please leave comments, reviews, and click like to help support Who Knew Podcast. To listen to our show on your Amazon Echo device, enable the AnyPod podcast skill. Ask AnyPod to play the Who Knew Podcast. 
This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who. The longest-running sci-fi show in history. And especially the revival, spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, Delia Derbyshire, and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain. 